Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. The team at Cobra Golf are set to introduce additions to its collection of king putters, making the offerings available in a sleek black colorway, the perfect complement to the limited edition black LTDX drivers and king black wedges. The lineup of black putters includes both king 3D printed and king vintage series models, along with two new mallet styles, the king Cuda and Cuda 40. All King Collection putters come standard with the Cobra Superstroke Traction Tour 2.0 grip and KBS Tour 120 shaft. The new additions to the King 3D printed and vintage series will be available from July this year. For more information on the entire King family of products, visit cobragolf.com. This is the 19th tee. Kieran Marsh, Nathan Drudy back with you at the conclusion, Drudes, of what was, well, quite an incredible weekend. <laughs> of golf here in Australia. I speak, of course, of the inaugural live event on our shores at the Grange Golf Club in South Australia. Uh, really plenty to come on that this evening. Uh, you've had a great chat with the deputy editor of Golf Australia magazine and good friend of this podcast, Jimmy Emanuel, who was on the ground in Adelaide. Uh, that's coming up a little later on. And we will, of course, touch on some great results for Australians around the world on the weekend. But the entire focus, seemingly, of the Australian golf community was on the Grange Golf Club, Drudes, mm. in, in Adelaide for the past uh, four days, and rightfully so. Uh, I suppose, from the top, just an initial reflection for you uh, of, the, of the weekend's events. Uh, I think you summed it up best when we kind of texted each other over the weekend, and it, it was a lot. That's how you described it to me, <laughs> and I think that's actually probably quite an apt way of putting it. I mean, um, yeah, I... I I think even now, sort of 24 hours on from the conclusion of the live event, I don't think, um, weirdly, I don't think I've fully comprehended what it threw at us across 72 hours. There was this such this massive lead up and we weren't sure what we were going to get in terms of the quality of the golf. We weren't sure what we were going to get in terms of the quality of the crowds. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it was a lot, it was a lot to take in. It's a lot to assess for its first one. Um, and I mean, ultimately, you know, it was incredibly well supported. And I think the most simple thing that it showed to me, as I, I mentioned on Twitter today was that clearly there is an enormous demand for professional golf, whether that's an exhibition essentially of golf, like the live live um, event was or a PGA tour event or the president's cup. Mm. The demand is there in Australia. And I think that's mm. what it absolutely showed. Um, so I guess that's kind of my, my sort of overarching takeaway was that, was that the, there is demand and, and there is going to be demand for two different products. And one of them is a very traditional four round event being the PGA tour. And that will always have its, um, it will always have its supporters and the live tour will have its supporters as well. And they're two vastly different products. And I think no one can deny that and no one, and I think that's fine that they, they can coexist together. And I think that in a nutshell is my kind of 60 second wrap up. So I don't know if my thoughts are sort of similar to yours or if you're in a different, in a different ballpark or what do you, what's your kind of wrap up? I think very similar to be fair. 
Uh, I don't know that you and I were ever going to be poles apart at the back end of this mm. weekend because we certainly haven't been on the journey, uh, you know, since the emergence of live as a as an alternative option. For me, I look at it and I think it was undoubtedly and without question, unequivocally, like I want to be really clear, an enormously successful weekend for golf in Australia. Yeah. Now, I choose my words and my language very specifically there. Not Australian golf, not golf for Australia, because I think there are some some weaknesses there from what the product we saw on the weekend. But for the game in this country, an undeniably successful weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't think even the most stringent opponent of Liv could view that as anything else. And I've not yet listened to much, but obviously I'll be very keen to hear the objective view of people from overseas because I'm also conscious that it's a bit of an echo chamber when you're in the market. Sure. And it was it was everywhere on the weekend. It was in print. It was in digital. It was on the television. You heard it on the radio. We were surrounded by live content, which is excellent for that product. Uh, a lot of the naysayers overseas have pointed to really what has been a trend in the events leading up to this, which has been the complete opposite of what we saw at the Grange Golf Club. We haven't seen much crowds. We haven't seen much atmosphere. We haven't seen a great deal of exciting play. And a lot of people were waiting to see because this promised, if on nothing else but the projected ticket sales, to be different. And it was, mm-hmm. unquestionably. Where I fall down is what you have said, and I think you really neatly summed it up, that there are two offerings now. There is unquestionably a difference, and that's perfectly fine. There is nothing wrong with the live product if that is your scene. What I struggle with, and I think it was more present this weekend than at any other live event to date, is the animosity back towards people who don't necessarily believe in it. Mm-hmm. Like we we got a couple of DMs about, oh, you know, we, we were posting some live content and automatically people were jumping on. I thought, oh, I thought you were opposed to it. Like I think it it almost encouraged or poured fuel on a fire of people wanting to be like, I told you so. Mm, I told sure. you it was great. I told sure. you it was going to be fantastic. That's not necessary in my mind because mm-hmm. it's perfectly fine for the two to coexist. Over and above that, I cannot, like, I, I cannot cop it's. I I can't explain it any other simple way other than to say it's not golf. Mm. Like it is sure. In the fact that they play a round of eighteen holes, and you know pars are still the same, birdies. It, it, like the the fundamentals sure. are, but it's it's not. So don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Sure, because they are elbowing each other out of the way to say that this is golf, but louder. Mm-hmm. And you know, Lee Westwood said it means as much horseshit. If you're going to sit there and tell me that playing there at the Grange meant as much as the fact that you missed Augusta two weeks ago, you didn't get to play, and you're going to put those two things in the same sentence, I'll eat my hat. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they can't stop, like they can't, they're falling over each other to tell us that it's the same, if not better. And at the same time saying it's different. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. You can't be both things. Sure. And I think that's where I struggle most out of the weekend. Unquestionably a phenomenal weekend for golf in this country. Like the numbers were unbelievable. And the reports from people that I've heard on the ground, 
I'm sure Jimmy Emmanuel will reflect that when he talks about the experience and the atmosphere of being there. But it's just, if anything, I think it fueled the divide and the animosity. It didn't bring us closer together or to a, or closer to a level of acceptance that these things can coexist in my mind. Now, I think I, I think you're right in a lot of ways. The it's funny when you kind of think about it. The in terms of the people who are just going to your point about pouring fuel on the fire. I thought what Liv showed over the weekend was genuinely exciting. Like you couldn't not get wrapped up in sure that stuff on 16 with Chase Kepka hitting the ace and kind of like 12. Sure, uh, sorry, 12. Um, sure, it's a poor man's waste management at 16. Absolutely. Right? Yep. But it's still cool. Like I was like, Very much that'd so. be so much fun to be there and, and I'd really enjoy that. I think it probably still still stems back to two things for me. I, I really enjoyed it and and I wish I was there enjoying it and getting around it. But I had, I had mates there who, who were texting me and saying like, this is genuinely really really cool what they have put on i think probably that's the pros for me like that that's the good stuff that came from it it looked like a lot of fun it's going to engage a lot of new people in in golf it's going to do what big bash has done and engage a, a, a wonderful new audience and that stuff's all great i think like the the negatives for me are that it's like well you you either have to pick the PGA Tour or live, and it's like, well, I don't yeah, necessarily why? think that that's true, right? Like, yeah. I enjoy watching Test match cricket, and to be fair, like I was kind of taking a lot of what people were kind of saying over the weekend, and I think, um, I think it was Lee Westwood who actually said, like, I still enjoy watching Test match cricket, but I also like watching Twenty Twenty, and it's like, yeah, I'm a cricket fan, and I like doing that. Sure, I like Test match cricket than better than Twenty Twenty, and so I kind of lean more towards the PGA tour because that's what I kind of know and love. And that's sort of where my affiliation with golf started from, as opposed to sort of live and it's dealings in Saudi Arabia and kind of that stuff still doesn't sit great with me. And I'm, I'm now sort of probably speaking out of both sides of my mouth here, going back sort of 12 months, right. Where I was kind of like, no, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. But I think I've, my position has kind of softened on it and it's like I'm able to sort of separate it a little bit and go the actual product that was delivered for Australia was really, really, really cool. Um, mm. The mm. negative stuff that I didn't love from the weekend, obviously on the ground it looked really cool. I thought the broadcast was dreadful, personally. Um, the The consistent mentioning of the crowd and how much – and how many people were there and how amazing and how engaged they were was it got to the point where I was kind of like, okay, now how much mayo are you putting on this? Like you're constantly reminding me of this. Is this actually even close to true? That's what it it got to the point. The part where, and then sort of the other thing where it was, um, you know, we're all, we're all really competitive and we're all, you know, this is, you know, this means as much as PGA tour events (laughs) and all that sort of stuff. When you've got uh, Ian Poulter drinking beers and watching Fisher after yeah. round one, I mean, like that, would you be doing that after a PJ? Would you be doing that at Riv if that was on yeah. offer? Like, I wouldn't have thought so. And yeah. when you've got um, on day one, on 18, where Cam Smith, um, <laughs> on the tee box of 18, actually, uh, 
David Ferretti said there was 10,500 following that group, which <laughs> was clearly not the case. Yeah. Then, um, so Cam Smith kind of chips it close. And then Poulter comes up and gives him a big hug for chipping yeah. it close. And I'm kind of like... For doing his job. No, but you would never... I I ask Poults aside from the Ryder Cup, when has he ever, ever done that Yeah, in any other Absolutely. tournament? So that's kind of the stuff that I still struggle with because we do get this yep. messaging of, you know, the crowds are amazing, the crowds are amazing, the crowds are amazing. And then they put these numbers out that just clearly didn't look accurate. They had 86,500, I believe, across the three days, which is incredible and fantastic for, for their first effort down here. And then just, the, but it was just that constant messaging and the, the no, we are as competitive and this all means as much, but hey, like congratulations to you for chipping it close on, on 18. Like just stuff mm. like that kind of doesn't marry up with the messaging. And I was going to go back to your point where, you know, you, uh, you were saying that the players are constantly elbowing each other out the way to say that it's golf, but louder. I almost wonder if that is not their choice to do that. And I'm if sure that is not. if that is predicated by Live Golf and Greg and the powers that be, sure, you know sure. that that's kind of actually when you sign on the dotted line here, it means that you will advocate for Live Golf and you need to be doing this sort of stuff. So I don't know. The, I don't. I don't know thing... about that. Maybe that's me just being a little bit like. I don't no, know, I, I agree. I think the only thing I'd say. Well, the only thing I'd say to that is. Like I, I agree, I'm sure there's deliverables and obligations in terms of promotion yeah. of the product. No doubt about that. The only thing I'd say is that there are some players who I feel provide minimum viable product and literally do as much as probably what their contract yeah. asks and no more. And people like Brooks Kepka come to mind. Sure. Like Brooks was Brooks was jarring at Augusta comparatively. Yeah, when asked, Phil was was balanced. I think more balanced probably than Phil had been for eighteen months. And there were other players there that, like, had fallen off the cliff's edge in terms of how far out of their way they were going to promote the product. And I feel like it's the same. I feel like of the forty eight players they have, there are some who will deliver on the on the number of what they need to from a promotional perspective, and there's some that will uh, over service. That's a term that you and I are familiar with in terms of. <laughs> Uh, contracts and sponsorships and partnerships and that's fine there's no problem with that but like as i said don't like i know you've already, i know you've had a chat with jimmy emmanuel which we'll hear very shortly jimmy wrote a i thought was an excellent article today mm. very well balanced reflection of his time at at the grange he spoke about i suppose the the wonderful step forward for the growth of the game in this country. And that's probably why I was very specific about my language. That was a great weekend for golf in Australia. But he kind of put it well in terms of exhibition is yeah. the is the phrase that was often used to describe it. It's an exhibition. And it, how somehow that's become uh, a dirty word. Like the players won't hear it. I think there were a number of players who kind of, uh, I suppose, Ran a counter opinion. It's not an exhibition. It's definitely not an exhibition. We're all out here trying hard. Like it is, though. Like, and this is what I was saying before. Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. It is. It's the it's the literal definition of an exhibition. You can't 
on the one hand tell me we are the T20 of golf, which is what a lot of the language is. It's it's the new, it's a modern product. Sure. T20 was literally an exhibition when it started. I'm not saying that's where it is now. There's a lot of unique skill to being a T20 cricket player. Now, I don't think that'll be the case for Liv because it's the same. It's golf's the same, right? There won't be a, a specific skill set required to play a 54-hole shotgun start tournament. Sure. But it will progress beyond a point provided it, it has tenure and it grows, it will progress beyond the point that it is an exhibition. But right now it is. So don't mm-hmm. tell me it's not. To your point, you've got Pultz at the end of day one looking like he's at Tomorrowland. Yeah. You've got Cam Smith, who I love dearly, dearly, on the stage at the end of day one doing a shoey. Yeah. You've got Fisher running up and down free reign on 12, trying to get any player in the middle of a round to do a shoey. Like... The reason, Drews, that they have no problems doing that, the reason why Pultz has no problems carrying on and running up and giving Smithy a, a cuddle is because they are all safe. Mm. There is literally no... Like, sure, they can make more money if they win. Taylor Gooch is $4 million richer this weekend because he won. Fill your boots, Taylor. But it's not like what they've come from because mm-hmm. they are guaranteed cash. That's why Smithy's doing a shoey at the end of day one. That's why Pulse looks like he's going to Future Music Festival. It's not serious golf. So don't tell me that it is. Yeah. It doesn't make it any less great. Chase Kepka's moment on the 12th was exceptional. It was as good as what we saw at Waste Management, you know, two years ago. But it's not, this is what I kind of, I really struggle with coming out of this weekend is that the narrative will now be, that the 86,500 people and the scenes and the atmosphere that you saw at Grange is a ringing endorsement of the live product. Sure. And it isn't. Like, sure. truly, it's a ringing endorsement of the fact that I could go to the golf and get pissed and carry on and still watch some golf. Sure. Because you can't do that at most golf tournaments. And sure, maybe some golf tournaments need to relax. Like, yes, they've been building a party hall for the last two years at the Oz PGA. Certainly didn't look like the 12th at the Grange, mm. but it's been progressing. And it gets pretty rowdy there as well. They might not be throwing plastic cups onto the grain, but you know, it works. But it, to my mind, like we had that many people at Royal Melbourne in 2019 for the President's Cup. Mm. It wasn't because of like that was high class players on Australian shores that we never get to see. It's scarcity. It's the fact we've been fucking starved of it for so long mm-hmm. that we'll go to anything where they turn up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not because 86,500 people think that live is the future of golf. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, there'll be a percentage, sure. Not saying none of them think that, but it's not people voting in numbers for a new way of thinking. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, at least half of those people two weeks ago would have been getting up at Sparrows to watch Augusta National. Sure. It's not one or the other, to your point. It's the mm. fact that we got a handful of the best players in the world in our backyard playing some good golf with a bunch of other shit around it that made it a fun weekend. Sure. And I think, like, you know, to Liv's credit, in a lot of ways, they kind of realized that the actual product of, of golf, and, you know, this is sort of dipping into the Drive to Survive series, right? Like, <laughs> why hasn't Full Swing done for golf what drive for survive has done in formula one because the product is like yeah 
chalk and cheese. You've got cars that drive at 300 kilometers an hour as opposed to Patrick Cantlay taking four minutes to sink a four-foot putt, right? Yeah. So the product is completely different. So to Liv's credit, they went, how do we make this? How do we make the product better for fans? And they went, cool. We know our target market, Australia. We're going to put all the booze in. We're going to make the stadium hole. We're going to have... We're going to have just a party, right? And mm. the people that I spoke to on the ground, they were like, this is a lot of fun. And I I don't doubt that it no is. No doubt. No um, doubt. Would I have had an absolute blaster over the weekend? Shit, yeah. Yes. I would have enjoyed it. I absolutely would have enjoyed it. But at the same time, like I'm, it, it's, it's not for me what I consider is, that's not golf. Like that's not the, the future mm. for me. Like it might be in, in part- but it's not the future. Like I am still and always will hold Riviera and Arnie's place and, you know, Bay Hill and like other places like this in such high regard mm. that I don't think anything's ever really going to top that. Right. Mm. Like, um, and that's just a historical thing, but mm. I think the two can coexist. I really Absolutely. do. And I think Absolutely that the two should coexist. I, I genuinely do. And I, and my position on that has changed in the last 12 months because 12 months ago, I was like, this is bullshit. Like something needs to be done to immediately yeah. stop this now. And now I'm like, I would, I would attend one. I'm pretty sure maybe six months ago, I said I wouldn't even go to one. Now mm. I'd go like, yeah, I would go because I would like to kind of enjoy that, enjoy that party and kind of see what it, what it's all about. But also mm. at the same time, like I know at the end of the day that Taylor Gooch standing there with a range goat's chain around his neck, holding a trophy and Patrick Reed and DJ up there spraying champagne means literally nothing. Like it yeah. means zero nothing. to me. It means zero to me. And as much as those oh, guys man. can say that it means the world to them and Taylor Gooch, didn't he say six months ago that this was as good as a Ryder Cup from a guy who who's yeah. never played in one? Never played one? Like, so... <laughs> There's just little things like that. And I think that's where, you know, we're forgetting that this is only in its infancy and, and it will continue to grow and get better. Mm. You know, there were rumors that Greg Norman was touring Joondalup over here in, in WA. I, you know, I dare suggest that on the next schedule, there will be two events in Australia, maybe even three mm. because it has been so well supported. So I think like that there is absolutely a future for it here in Australia, but also part of me thinks of maybe there's an element of the tour kind of being like, let's see what the demand is like for an event like this down in Australia. I'm talking about the PGA tour here. Yeah. What's the demand for just a general event that generally means not a lot, right? We had the president's cup. We saw that was incredibly well supported at Royal Melbourne in 2019. It's obviously coming back mm. again soon, but let's kind of see what, how it how it is received yeah. because you know we had one of the best lineups in recent memory for the australian pga and we didn't have that sort of crowd so part of me kind of wonders what the difference is because i would i would almost take a field of leishman jones smith scotty min woo and the rest who came back for the aussie pga over some of the shit that's on the on the live tour, like your Richard yeah. lands of the world, right? Like 
like Dickie Bland, we loved him for a period of time, went on one of the all-time great heaters. And he did. Um, but we did put the question out on on um, Instagram, if you'll indulge me for a second. We've had a few responses. I only put this up a couple, of, a couple of hours ago. Um, to Oh, we've got some more. Uh, to my point, um, Marcus Bettino said, do you reckon the PGA Tour knows Australia exists now? Um, yeah. I mean, Can I like, just, just, just briefly on that? Um, yeah. I think you make a really good point. I've got no doubt... Uh, as does Marcus Bettino. Uh, I've got no doubt people at Pontevedra at HQ sat up and took notice of over the weekend, undoubtedly, because mm. that draw over three days would rival numbers that they get in some of their regular PGA Tour stops in America. Of course. Right? For sure. So uh, they would be ignorant not to take notice. What I would say is there's probably a few different things there in the sense that the PGA would attract a different crowd of people. Yes. There'd be some people who didn't go to live who would go to a PGA Tour event and vice versa. There'd be people who were there on the weekend that wouldn't go to a PGA Tour event if it came to Australia. It would be useless, completely redundant if it wasn't one of the elevated events because if you don't have the commitment of sure, you know, the best Absolutely. 20 players in the world coming, there's no point in coming. So don't Correct. do it. Correct. Oh, please don't. Don't. Like, don't even bother. Don't yeah. tease us. Don't do it. If it's not an elevated event, we're not interested. Correct. I think the other thing is is that, and I wasn't necessarily, I was probably privy to a little bit of it, but I would suggest probably due to maybe sliding a little bit out the back end of the target demo, but also being geographically a little bit dispersed from Adelaide, I didn't get a lot of the marketing. I think the marketing would have been like paddocks apart in terms oh, of, of its quality of live than what the PGA Tour do. They oh, would have smashed the marketing for this. Yeah. Absolutely hammered it. A, because they can and they have literally no end to their cash so they can afford to do it. But B, they probably would have just gotten better people than what the PGA Tour sure. employ to market their product. Of course. But the only reason it's still breathing, objectively speaking, you can't, as anyone half interested in golf in Australia, have watched any of the live events leading up to this. If you did, I've still got questions on whether or not people who went on the weekend had actually seen live golf before. Sure. And whether, and I, I fucking guarantee you, I'd be surprised if 10% of the 86,500 tune into the Sentosa Golf Club in Singapore this weekend. Yeah. But you can't have watched live, seen what we've seen to date, and in any way anticipate that we would have got what we got at the Grange. It is mm. polar opposites to what it's been, and it'll it'll be polar opposites again because there's no way you'll get that in Singapore. Sure, culturally it's different. It's a different club. Absolutely, it's, just, it's not the same. So yeah. that's my other gripe, I suppose, is the narrow view. People will have seen that here in this country for three days and will completely tune out again, and they'll walk away thinking all of the things that we've just said. They won't watch. You know, Sentosa next week. They won't watch when they go around to, you know, a municipal in Orlando and play another event and no one turns up. So, what we got in Australia proved and should prove to both live golf executives, but also certainly to the PJ2 executives, that we are a market who will reward your faith. Yeah. So, send us a few tournaments. Absolutely. No, I think that's very well put. 
and you know a, a, that was a, a little bit of a common theme through here. Tommy Ryan Golf said this week proved they need to host more international events in Australia. You, the the PGA needs to wake up essentially, which is, I mean, totally stuff that we already knew, right? Like, yep. And um, so a couple others here. Uh, uh, Clint Sykes said we all love a hole in one, but throwing beer cans onto the green is a bit too much for me. I mean, that's that's maybe fair. Um, people were throwing glass bottles. Apparently I find that a little bit hard to believe that they were selling glass. Serving. Bottles. I, I need to need to do some research on that. Uh, Kabulcha golf club said probably good for live, uh, live spectators, but not much energy through the TV. So sort of echoed what we said. And then there were a few other comments of people really supporting it. So, um, I just want to just, just, just out of interest. What were the theme of some of the supportive comments? Oh, just, you know, really great weekend, brilliant golf like event to go, to go and see mm. like i think there's probably there's two points for for me here and i um firstly is um the uh, rounding back to almost a point you raised at the very top you almost seem on the outside actually i'd say you are on the outside if you are an australian who supports the PGA Tour? At the <laughs> certainly, minute, right? most certainly. Most and when certainly. I say support, the, when I say supports the PGA Tour, yeah, I'm saying enjoys watching it. Right, like the comments that we got over the weekend. Well, I thought you guys what I just thought you guys liked the PGA <laughs> Tour and you hated live. It's like, well, like yeah, I enjoy watching the PGA Tour and it's a tour I still prefer. Yeah, but I can appreciate and enjoy watching the golf. Over the weekend, like that's 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 just that's just kind of where I'm at. I think the other thing too, and this is me playing devil's advocate and being a little bit cynical, maybe, is was the outcome of the weekend in terms of the overwhelming positivity and the eighty six and a half thousand people who attended a result of live golf. Or was it a result of someone filling the void? Some golf. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and absolutely, this is what I was saying before. I, I don't know like, that it was a ringing endorsement of the product. Uh, but for me. M- maybe it was right. Like I I don't know. And and to your point, obviously Singapore is going to be very very different. And yeah. maybe the 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 head honchos at Live were incredibly smart about it and went, hey, we know that this is what an Aussie golf market essentially wants they want the big party hole they want they want the booze they want the 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 music and the djs and the party and they nailed it right they they absolutely hit their target market and i again like i i probably um like uh i walk away from the weekend going shit like that was pretty fucking cool like i've have that absolutely that's just totally where i i I fit like, do I have egg on my face? I don't, I don't feel like I do because I, I'd never witnessed the product before. And that product that we got was very different to the shit that I tuned into on YouTube six months ago, whenever the hell it started. Right. Correct. But for me, like the golf was kind of like, meh, like secondary. Uh, yeah. And, and it was, which is totally, which is totally fine again. And for me, I will always prefer the PGA to a, because of the history and because of what it means, that doesn't mean that I can't enjoy what Liv has to offer in yeah. terms of the party, 
and all of that sort of stuff. Like that's, that's great. If there was, like I said, if there was an event here in Perth, I'd absolutely go. I'd live it up, pardon the pun. I'd live it up for three days and I'd go and get around it because it would be cool because I don't get that opportunity to have international players come to Perth very often. And that's, I'm, I'm not saying that in any way, shape or form as a disrespect to the Australian tour, because I, for one, have gone into bat as hard as anyone for people to get out and watch the WA Open and the WA PGA because I love the guys who play on those tours, base on that tour, basically. But we have been so starved of international action that anyone who filled that void and provided the atmosphere was going to get a great turnout. And Liv did a great job of it. It was a great weekend from all reports. Um, and... I think the two can and should coexist together in the golfing economy because they offer two very different products. And it's, I think you heard that from Greg Norman over the weekend. He, he kind of said, look, like we're not saying we want to take over the tool over the PGA tool. We're saying that we're just here and we offer a different product. And, and that, that's probably where my kind of wrap up lies with it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I because it so was I, like I, it it was exciting to watch parts of it when you see Chase Kepka's ace and you see you know some close shots and it's like cool the the, the actual quality of golf is good. I just mm. I'm the point that I'm saying is like the quality of golf is good. Everything around it is really good. So why does it not click for me in my head? Because it means fucking nothing. That's the point for me that it doesn't mean a damn thing. And that's mm. my assessment of it, right? And when you're told that it does and the actions shown don't back it up, then for me, it loses credibility in that sense. So that's just, for me, the, the, the two key aspects of it in terms of being good quality golf, like Taylor Gooch shot back-to-back 10-unders. Like that's impressive on any golf course. Absolutely. And the, the party around it was was great. You're not playing for anything meaningful, and for me, that doesn't doesn't do it. It's the reason I never engaged with AFLX or the mm. XFL or any of the other crap that has been rolled out. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I feel like we're into we're probably like I feel we've kind of crossed crossed on an axis of where where we sit in this. I feel like you've gone that way and I've gone this way, maybe. Oh, absolutely, Drew. It's like I think I have probably – I went through a period of softening on the product to a point where freedom of choice, fill your boots. If you want to set you and your family up and your family's family and your family's family's family up generationally, so be it. I probably don't soften as far as an argument I've seen emerge over the last three or four days. Oh, well, if you're going to get angry about Live Golf, you may as well get angry about Uber and Starbucks and all the other things the Saudi government invests in. I think that's a little purposefully ignorant for mine sure. because the investment in Uber and the investment in Starbucks is to make money. There's no overt like how good is the Saudi Arabian government for investing in Uber and in Starbucks as there is in this is a fantastic investment by Saudi to grow the game of golf. Like it is not subtle live in that way. But I've definitely softened. What I would say just to round out from my opinion, certainly can coexist, certainly a place for it as a product. 
there are distinct differences as there should be because there will be distinct differences in the crowds and the audiences that will like both. Probably the last thing I'll end on is I didn't go this weekend and I still feel exhausted <laughs> from the coverage bit of the golf itself or the actual like around it, the news that covered it. I'm exhausted. So where I also probably can't necessarily get on board is the people who come out of that on the weekend and say, like, this is golf. This is what the future is. This is the tour. Can you imagine doing that? Live Golf can't even imagine doing that week mm-hmm. in, week out because they don't. It's tiring. Like, the brainchild of it's like the brainchild of Live. I'm saying this is a hypothetical, but I'm almost certain there's probably an element of truth to it. It's like the brainchild of Live came out of what is what is the product that stands out from an engagement and a difference perspective on the PGA Tour? It's waste management. So let's pick up waste management and take it around the world mm-hmm. and make mm-hmm. that our tournament every time. The reality is, is that waste management, in fact, is just the sixteenth. Yeah, like the third at waste management isn't that. Sure, the seventh at waste management isn't that. It's one hole, like it's a well-attended tournament, but the people in the stands surrounding the stadium hole would match the people walking the course. Sure, yeah, yeah, right. But what they've tried to do is literally like. The constant fucking music and noise. I was like, I'm I'm tired. Mm-hmm. So I literally can't imagine doing that every week. This is my other part about it is it works so well here because every like the stars aligned, everything lined up, the crowd were thirsty for it. They engaged an audience who love that atmosphere. But I love the waste management because of its scarcity. We get it once a year. Mm-hmm. It's a point of difference. It's not foot to the floor the whole time yeah so i do if the if live gets to a point at which everything replicates what we saw at the grange i question its ability to be sustainable but i'm happy to be proven wrong lastly what i do want to say and i I, i'm a little bit ashamed it's taken us this amount of time to get there i think it's worth mentioning and i have little doubt that the biggest winner out of the weekend is not in fact live golf it's in fact the grange golf club <laughs> what they did like it cannot be understated everything you saw be it the infrastructure that was put around the holes themselves for the 54 holes of golf or whether it was the music festival that happened mm. post like people would significantly underestimate the amount of infrastructure that would have had to have been bumped in to the grange golf club to host those you know, three days of competitive golf, an extra two days, probably a pro-am and a few other appearances. We're talking about five days. We're talking probably months of preparation, months of disruption to the membership. Like it should not be sold short, the feat that this was for the Grange Golf Club to get this across the line and deliver it. Mm-hmm. And they deserve everything that will come their way by way of foot traffic now because of it, because they are, they should be congratulated wholeheartedly on the effort they did to deliver that tournament. It was phenomenal in my no, mind. It was, yeah, it was massive, massive. And that's often a thing that gets forgotten about hosting tournaments is what the membership give up to in the ability mm. to, to be able to play their course. So, mm. um, no, it's a good point that you raise there. I was just thinking about, you know, if they do add another two or three tournaments to the Australian swing, for example, if it, if it gets to, say, one here in Perth and, you know, one in Melbourne or wherever it might be, um, the ability that that will obviously have on 
on crowd numbers because you had people from every state flying into South Australia for that event. Um, so obviously with that uh, scarcity comes greater crowds, but uh, yeah, it'd be, be fascinating to watch. I think, you know, last very, very finally for me, before we get to a couple other things very shortly, um, I, uh, it was a massive weekend for golf, right? Like I think just, it was, there were so many storylines kind of leading into the week about what we were to expect and what it was going to do and achieve and look like and what it was going to mean. And, um, I think it's, it was obviously a really exciting time for, for Australian golf fans because they've been starved of it for, for, for so long. And, um, in that sense, I give a massive hat tip to live for going, fuck it. We've going to fill this void. And they did a great job of it and they delivered on everything, um, that they said they would. And everyone on that I've spoken to said they really, really enjoyed it. Um, but again, I'm sure no one's coming away going, wow, that was such a meaningful golf tournament. And if that's what live is, then that is totally fine. I am happy for it. I'm happy to support it. And that's it. And at the same time, I'm going to continue to support the PGA Tour. So I'll continue to talk out both sides of my mouth for the next 12 months. <laughs> so. And await the criticism that we'll get. Well, it's fine. Like, look, it's people can, oh, I truly, can I come at us. Or, yeah, I don't, I don't either. I genuinely don't yeah. either because it's kind yeah. of like whatever and and positions change and thoughts change and attitudes change and correct um yeah i i i would i would attend one and i look forward to attending one um in the near future so anyway let's we'll get to jimmy emmanuel in a minute but there's a couple of other things what do you want to what do you want to raise that wasn't yeah, well, golf related well i was just gonna say briefly uh while everyone was watching live golf at the Grange Golf Club in Adelaide there was some significant results from an Australian golfing perspective around the world uh, Lucas Herbert mm. was a winner for the third time, I believe it was, uh, on the DP World Tour. He won the ISPS Handa Tournament in Japan on the second playoff hole. Uh, this is a pretty remarkable story. I mean, people, if you haven't seen it already, should um, search for his up and down in the playoff. Exceptional. Very mm. similar. I mean... When I say similar, not in terms of lie or location, because he really got out of jail in Japan, but quite similar to, you know, a clutch up and down to what he did in Dubai to win. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. People will remember where he went in the water and he had to do up and down from the, the drop zone. But yeah, this is a guy who flew in with no practice rounds at this golf tournament, rocked up and ends up walking away at the end of 72 holes um, with a victory. So what I will say about Herbie is loves a playoff win. Uh, also loves an exotic location. So Japan, Dubai is one of Bermuda. Um, loves it, uh, does does Herbie, having the exotic win. So a big congratulations to Lucas Herbert on his victory in the DP World Tour. Uh, similarly, congratulations to, and I'm surprised you didn't lead with this, given your fondness for this tour, the PJ uh, Tour Champions, or mm. Champions Tour. Uh, Mark Hensby. Sure. Uh, the Aussie has not won a PJ Tour-sanctioned tournament since the John Deere Classic in 2004, uh, very early on in his Champions Tour career, and he wins on the fourth playoff hole at the Invited Celebrity Classic. So quite remarkable. I don't know if you saw this, but he went into the water on the first playoff hole, right? managed to extend it to four and win on the fourth. So yeah. remarkable finish to Mark Hensby's 
four days at the PGA Tour of Champions where he has won. And then just finally, Druids, um, we didn't have a winner, obviously, because this would have led the show. But I did sure. want to make mention of those uh, women who contested the Chevron Championship, the first major of the women's season, the club at Carlton Woods in the Woodlands, Texas. Uh, Steph Kriaka got off to a red-hot start. She was, I think, top five uh, after the opening round, and you would have seen um, via our socials a, a hole out um, from the fairway in the opening round. Uh, things got a little tricky from there. Mm-hmm. Steph, she ended up being the second-best Australian at T49. Uh, Minji Lee was the highest finishing Aussie at T41. And then Karis Davidson, who was also, I think, in the top 10 after the first round, great start. Um with a 70 on the first day, she ended up in T56 and takes home a bit of 15 grand for her troubles. Uh, the Aussies who missed the cut, Sarah Kemp, uh, Grace Kim, who qualified for the tournament uh, courtesy of her win the weekend before at the Lottie Championship in Hawaii, and Hannah Green uh, missed mm. the cut with a disappointing 75-74. Uh, that, of course, was won by Lilia Vu of the US, her first uh, major victory. She went... Um, to a playoff with Angel Yin and got it done on the first playoff hole. So they are the results, Drew. just obviously with two Aussie victories, worth a mention um, at the back end there after what's been, a yes, an enormous weekend in Australian golf. Yeah, big one. Big weekend, big week. Um, again, we postponed the important shit, the honeymoon wrap-up. Um, <laughs> we'll coming. get to that next week. We, uh, we always... We, we, you know, we like to think that we're smart individuals, Marshy, but we often, often make plans and then don't actually look ahead at what the week is throwing at us in terms of public holidays, in terms of uh, what else is happening in our lives. So we uh, make Usually promises. Often, on... I'd say never, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we make promises on the show and then uh, fail to, to keep them. But uh in the bank coming up, there will uh, obviously be a chat with Tommy Power Horan, which was wicked. Uh, I had a chat with him last week, so that was great. Yes. And um, of course, the honeymoon wrap up. So they'll be they'll be coming out in the next couple of weeks, and of course, Jimmy Emmanuel in uh, in just a minute as well. But um, big weekend, mate. I'm I'm actually wrecked from it all. I'm sick of <laughs> I'm sick of the abuse. I'm sick of uh, sick of grumpy people. So anyway, we move on. We move on from live, and we uh, we get ready for the next one. We certainly do. It's been a pleasure wrapping it all up with you, mate. Without any further ado, we'll toss to your chat with Jimmy Emanuel. Yeah, thanks, Marshy. Jimmy Emanuel, good friend of the show, a man who's just stepped off the plane from Adelaide. He was on the ground at Live Golf. Uh, I think I'm exhausted, so I imagine you're probably knackered from a a big week. But, uh, mate, thanks for joining us on the 19th tee again. It's my pleasure. Absolutely spent is how I would describe myself, but uh, still got work to do, of course. <laughs> Don't you ever. Well, first and foremost, mate, I want to say uh, congratulations on a wonderful piece that you wrote um, that that I think went up this afternoon on, on the website, the Golf Australia Magazine website, which was exceptional. I thought it was probably the most uh, articulate and well-written and well-rounded and unbiased piece um, of, of your wrap-up um, of the live event, mate. So, Congratulations on that. Can you kind of give us the brief overview of, of the week? I mean, how do you how do you reflect on it now, sort of 24, 25, 26 hours post the event actually finishing? Uh, yeah, well, thank you about the story. Um, it was, oh, it was bizarre. I mean, it was one of sitting there and 
every day of the week, you'd have a different thought about how things were and what they were and what was good and maybe what wasn't so good. And I was, I sit, sit next to Adam Pengilly in that media center from the city morning Herald. And, uh, every day Pengas and I'd have a debrief over a beer while we we're finishing up and try and work out what our thoughts were on it. And I must say, I'd had that story that went up today, Monday, written about four different times across Saturday and Sunday and kept changing my mind and working <laughs> things out and talking to players and talking to agents and talking to people from live. And, um, yeah, it's, it's look, it was a huge success from certain parts of it in terms mm. of the people there. Like it was unbelievable. Leash said to us a couple of times, it feels like when you're contending in a major, uh, Lee Westwood said to me, you know, he played with tiger in 08 at Torrey Pines in the last round of the U S open. He goes, it's not far off that in terms of the vibe and the atmosphere. Um, it's certainly, you know, bigger than president's cups that have been played in Australia that I've covered. Uh, but then there's the other elements to it where you're wrapping your head around individual and team at the same time about, you know, the, the mix of the vibe of players grinding and also enjoying themselves and, and trying to work out exactly what it is. Um, and basically the crux of my takeaway was they don't like the word exhibition, but it kind of is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. Exhibitions are a big part of golf and, um, you know, the masters was started to show off. Uh, what Augusta National was, that's an exhibition in my mind. You know, guys like Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer used to go around Australia playing exhibitions and they were huge for golf. And that mm -hmm. was, never never mind, that was you know, members of the golf club following along, drinking plenty of cans <laughs> along the way too. So <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. It's just Liv doesn't seem to want to be that, which um, is interesting to my mind, but I think they're sort of force in their hand because the players uh, kind of need it to be more legitimate to get world ranking points and and play golf because it's the only place they can play golf apart from the majors if they're fortunate enough to be qualified. How I think that was kind of the thing that I that I battled with all weekend and and watching it and we kind of me and Marshy sort of chatted about this was it was really difficult for me to kind of assess because the actual quality of golf like Taylor Gooch going and shooting back to back ten unders is fucking phenomenal like mm. that doesn't happen very often. So the quality of golf was decent. The actual party and the element that all sat around at the entertainment was really cool. So why was I not loving this? Yeah. And for me, it just boiled down to the fact that this doesn't mean anything, right? And that's totally cool. But I feel like if you're more interested in the PGA Tour or you're seen as a PGA Tour supporter, you are on the outside in Australia yeah. at the minute. Is that a fair representation? And like, is that sort of what you, you sort of picked up from on the ground anyway? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, there was a lot of people there who I don't think could care at all two shits about whether it was a PJ tour event or a live golf event, as long sure. as it was the same atmosphere and party. Um, so look, they, there was, there was TV stations going out doing Vox pops with fans going, would you prefer to go to a PJ tour event or a live event? The, oh yeah, I'd prefer to go live. I guarantee you none of them have ever been to a PJ Tour event before either. So they're not comparing <laughs> apples to apples here. No. Um, to the point of it doesn't necessarily mean something. It's an interesting one because you talk to the players and some of them more so than others will talk about, oh, it does mean something. Lee Westwood again said to me yesterday afternoon, you know, it feels the same. It means the same. Leash talked about it meaning the same to play well and contend. I think that boils down to their competitive nature that, Yes, I saw something Scott Hen said that if I gave a tour pro five dollars and said you can't beat me for this five dollars, even if he's got heaps multis in the bank, 
he'll want to beat my ass for that five dollars. Sure. So I think that comes across in the players, and they kind of get wrapped up in that. By the time we get to Live Golf Adelaide next year, whenever they do play it, whatever date it lands on, I'd say that a lot of them that came through the gates that next year, and you said who won last year, might struggle to remember. Of course. Um, I'd say a lot of the people rocking around in hats of teams other than Ripper GC couldn't tell you who was on those teams. Um, I was I got off the plane in Sydney this afternoon and I saw a few cliques hats and a few okay. this and that. And look, I, I like the team the team element. Like I really, I wrote something else earlier in the week. I'd love them to really push to that. But at the moment, it's it's not quite there. And that's the teams, it, you struggle to get along with a team because they've got these funny names and these funny logos. And you don't know who half the players are if you're not a diehard golf fan. They're also not that as competitive. So it's got these elements, I think, that then it's maybe a little bit incomplete. And that's where really, really hardcore golf fans maybe don't get all the way into it. Um, they appreciate the good play. Taylor Gooch was really impressive. Brooks Kepka again played really good golf. Cam Smith didn't he? You can tell he'd heaped a lot of pressure on himself, but he still played some really good golf, and he shows mm. up in Australia every time. Phil Mickelson played some in really good golf at times as well, um, but it just is missing that little bit of something. And even you know, we, I've always joked with my mates about PGA Tour events and their their names and sponsor names of. Greater Hartford Opens became, you know, this and that and this and that. But the trophy was the same. It was played the, every year. So to Peter Yulhine's point yesterday, there are only 12 events into this and they've got to this now. So maybe in five years' time, if we're still having the same thing going on, the Live Golf Adelaide trophy will mean a lot. But all the trophies are exactly the same at every event. There's not a there's not a uniqueness. There's not a unique prize like you've got green jacket, but Augusta and that stuff that makes it stand out. Um, but I think those are things they're going to keep refining because I can tell you they've got a huge staff and a lot of people really working hard at this. And a lot of people have been around the golf industry for a long time as well. So um, yeah, I, I share the feeling that it's it it's got this funny feeling where you're mm. enjoying it but you're not a hundred percent sure why you're not all in on it. Yeah. Um, you know, for a lot of people, I think that's the money too. And the Saudi involvement, and Sure, that's quieted a little bit, but it's still there for a lot of people. So it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting one that, like I said, it took me all week to write this story that I knew I was going to write at the start of the week. And I still finished up, posted it and went, Oh, this and that, but yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. I think also the part for me around, I, I struggle in terms of where I struggled was that we do have this constant sort of, yes, it is, it's a really competitive, I am a really competitive person. But then on the 18th green on the first day, Cam Smith chips it to two feet and Poltz runs up and gives him a big hug and throws his arm yeah. around him. And I'm like, hold on, like this isn't, you're not doing that in round one at Riv. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And and Cam Smith's up doing shoeys and, and Poltz is at the music festivals and whatever. So I think like kind of that's where I struggle with it and i don't know maybe that's a me that's maybe that's a me thing <laughs> but yeah but i think that's kind of my, my struggle to it i think what they did in terms of they nailed the market right like they nailed australia we're going to have the party hole we're going to have the the drinking because they're not to as marshy said in our chat before they're not going to do that in singapore right yeah. they're not doing that in singapore so they're doing this in australia and they nailed it i guess 
They're not doing I, it in Saudi Arabian, meanwhile. <laughs> That's also very true. And do you know what? They probably haven't done it in any other event. They've probably just done it done it here in Australia. But yeah, I I wonder um, what the the whole experience was like away from the party hole or the watering hole, I think it was called. What was it like away from that? Because we saw so much of it through the broadcast, which we'll get to to in a minute. But what was the event like away from that? Because it kind of just seemed like this was our flagship thing and this is what we're going to show you. And it was like, yeah, but I want to see like hole four, like what's going on over there? Like what can you just maybe run us through what the rest of the course was like, crowd sizes, et cetera. Yeah, like it was, that was one of the things I was very interested in as well. And I spent quite a lot of my time on the golf course away from 12. I went over and had a good look at it Wednesday early, saw mm-hmm. what it was like. You'd struggle to get a spot if you didn't have a ticket into a hospitality area to see. Sure. Um, but then away from it, I spent a lot of time walking around and it was quite funny. I mean, on day one, Cam teed off the first with, uh, I'm trying to think now, I think Brooks and Pulse. Uh, I think. Pulse. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I went by the tee and I stood there and there's all the music and there's all the, everything's going and there's a countdown and there's fireworks and mm. it's all this. And then the horn goes and then they just hit some golf shots and everyone you can feel in this crowd goes, there's a percentage of people go, what happens now? Sure. You know, they, they don't know what a golf tournament really is. Then there's the percentage of people that are just golf tournament fans. You hear the same silly things out of people's mouths that <laughs> they somehow come up with or make up or whatever that just aren't true. These bizarre things like a guy will hit like a really decent shot from a tough lie to a middle of green and oh, that's not very good. It's like, <laughs> please, that's a, that's amazing. Um but then following around the groups, Cam's group every day had huge crowds, understandably. Yeah. Um, I did a story on the second day with Bryson DeChambeau and I followed him around for most of the day. Bryson had a decent, decent following. Um, and he was playing with, um, from memory, I think Carlos Ortiz and maybe uh, one of the guys, uh, James Pio, maybe, I can't remember. Um, but decent following, not not six deep, but every time he'd get near a tee, there would be a couple deep sort of standing room only and people yelling hit driver and he wasn't hitting many drivers, but sure. Um, there was pockets of the golf course that were busier because um, it's pretty well spread out because it's a composite of two golf courses. So they're pretty remote from each other. Um, each group had its own little followings, um, but there was, there was decent crowd across everywhere, but those, those really marquee players, Phil, Bryson, Dustin, all three of the Aussies apart from Cam all had their spots, but you could hear that 12th hole from across the golf course. Mm. Um, you know, when Chase kept made hole in one, I was sitting in the media center at the time and we heard this noise and the, the coverage runs in the media center. And one of the other guys turned around to me and just said, that's a hole in one. I said, yeah, yeah absolutely. That hundred percent it is. And um, you could hear noises, you know, not to the same levels, but, like at Augusta where you can hear roars come up over the hill when there's no TV screen. So you don't know what happens. There's a roar and there's a tiger roar at Augusta and there is a noticeable difference. Um, there was a different sound when it was cam doing something as opposed sure. to one of the other guys. But um, yeah, the, the crowd's mostly spread out. I, I was saying to a couple of guys that the split of the crowd, probably at a, a regular Aussie tour event, younger guys, not young guys, but younger guys, uh, who are vocal, who are there for the party, for the drink, for the whatever, who play golf, I'm sure, and are golfers, are the, probably the minority. 
Here, they were the vast majority. Yes. So it was definitely a different crowd. Um, I, I did go uh, on Sunday in the sort of middle of the final round down to the fan village to see if everyone had just funneled in there and was just in there drinking and watching the TV. But it actually was pretty sparse in there. There was people obviously eating, drinking and whatever, but most people were out on the golf course and actually looking at it. So um, it's, it's again, it's that mix of you're not quite sure why everyone is there. I spoke to a few people about what had them there, but um, there was a lot of people out there following different groups around or just spotting up on a hole and obviously watching too. I was very interested. I had some mates go over, fly over from from here in Perth and, and head over and enjoy it. And they said it was it was great. They really enjoyed it. Obviously, very different to what they had been to in terms of President's Cup, et cetera. So I'm, I wonder for you who is so ingrained in the game, how did that differ from the President's Cup, given that that was our most recent sort of large scale yep. event how how did it differ i guess positively and how did it differ negatively according to you jimmy emmanuel um oh geez um it, it was bigger than a president's cup that we've had uh in every way i'd say in terms of build size like the infrastructure there i was amazed by when i got there um whether it was all used up in as depth depth no um you know we had a probably not as big a media center as we have at the president's cup and the president's cup one was full to the eyeballs with people mm -hmm. this one still had quite a few people there but not that many all week the most yep. people were when sharky got up and spoke on uh thursday middle of the day and the te local tv crews rolled in to try and get him and um but yeah diff more infrastructure so more more dollars spent in terms of the actual tournament side i would suggest um and then I think probably more people or probably similar. There's sort of a cap of a number of people you can have at Australian golf courses, realistically, with trees and heather and all this sort of stuff. You can't fit many more than 20,000 in. Um, so I'd say it'd be more people, but that'd be a bit of a guess. Um, I think it was better in terms of uh, it was it was it was pretty well organised in terms of where you parked, where people came in, where people got out, um, the signage, the follow through, what segments were for only certain people with certain things like players and player guests so that they could get away and step away, where the autograph zones were, all that sort of stuff was very, very well done. Um, in terms of the things that maybe weren't as good, I mean, I, I love a beer more than anybody else and I love a good time as well, but Probably the maintenance of that stuff got a little bit away from them at times. Um, you know, early in the week, just things like it's so simple and they fixed it after a couple of days, but there wasn't enough garbage bins out on the golf course. So yeah, there was okay. just piles of trash. And sure. so you walk around as someone who's been around and go, those are the little things that kind of matter because um, it shows up on the TV. It shows up to people who are there who see it and do it themselves. People got rowdy at the concerts afterwards good mm -hmm. on them that's what they're for um that was great to keep people on the property but then everybody who's worked there has been there since a lot earlier in the morning they all want to go home so people loitering on the property isn't necessarily thought of as highly by security and stuff and they're jumping fences on the ranges and and doing silly shit basically and it just causes headaches and it just sure. makes it hard for people who work really really hard at these things um you know, it ended up resulting in one of the moments that I'm sure Liv will be loving in 
Bryson hitting balls on Saturday night, mm. switching the drive around, hitting the left-handed, doing his shoey and doing all that sort of stuff, having not long before told me he was grinding so hard. It was interesting to watch. But, but I think that's my point, right, from before, yeah. where it's like, hey, like I'm here to win this tournament. And it's yeah. like, no, I'm going to go and bomb balls left-handed yeah. and do shoeys. Yeah, like, like he was, he was, I went out and watched him practice for a while and he was grinding hard and they were yelling and screaming at him. And to the point of, I was in this little section on the back of the range and then there's the fence for the, it was getting pretty loud and pretty raucous. And I almost feel sorry for Bryson that mm. I think if he didn't sort of, you know, cede to what they were yelling like, for, yeah, okay, it was just going to get worse and worse and sure. worse. Yeah. Um, That's fair. You know, that. They're yelling at him about bulking up when he stops to have a bite of some beef jerky and guys are getting pretty loud and it's by the exit, the range. That's how it ended up being a thing. People just walking past and he's just there trying to do his practice and it gets a bit out of hand and, you know, then people have to come through and shunt them out the door and everything like that. Just, I think some of the security were local who know Australian crowds and what they can get like. Um, some of it was people from overseas and live and everything like that who probably haven't really experienced just sure. how much we can enjoy to cause trouble and, <laughs> and have a good time. And look, yeah. that was a that was a good thing to see. I mean, to the point of not being over the top, but just how much fun people had with the ideas of the concerts and stuff like that, which I, I've got no problem with those. I mean, probably giving maybe the people who are performing the concerts a little bit of a tighter leash maybe around what they're doing. But mm. um I went down when Fisher played on Friday night. I wanted to see what it was like. And like, it was unbelievable. The number of people down there watching and hanging out and spending money. I mean, they, I think Leash told me yesterday afternoon, they ran, ran out of Leashman Lager with about two holes to play or something in the sales part. So they've made some decent cash out of it. And <laughs> there was a lot of Ripper GC hats uh, delivered, some more ordered, and there wasn't many left at the end of the week. So you know, it's it's turned a good number, which is now interesting how Liv goes on with it because this is by far their best thing they've done. What do they do now? They go to Singapore next week. I've got a friend in Singapore who said there's been a lot of building happening at Sentosa and a lot of um, a, a fair bit of buzz, but it won't be anything like what this past week was. So how they take that formula and, and put it elsewhere, I don't know. What was a beer going for? Like, what were the concession prices? I was fascinated at that. There's just the weird shit that I'm interested in. What were the concession uh, prices like? I didn't look too much at how much the beers were, I must say. I was busy being a professional. But um, <laughs> look, I know, for example, every hat was $60 in the merch tent. No. Um, like Polish, this? Yeah, like a cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, polo shirts were about $145. Um, you could buy Greg's... Uh, what color would you call it? Beige, I suppose. Live hoodie for about two hundred, I think. Um, it was pretty exy in the merch tent. I've got to tell you, um, that has so, blown me away. Yeah, like and and like they were selling it too. The ripper stuff for sure. Like um, this is from Pebble. This was like forty bucks. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that you could have got change out of fifty for anything in there. Shit. That's crazy. Um, hey? They weren't. They were. It wasn't a massive merch tent. Like it's not Augusta mm. where they're selling everything you could ever imagine. Sure, could have a logo, but um, they'll that'll be the thing that'll change a bit too. Because as the teams take on more ownership of their own stuff, they'll produce their own merch with their own clothing suppliers. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting to watch that. But yeah, that was pretty 
pretty up there price wise. I can't imagine a beer was cheap, but the way people are drinking them and throwing them at players on the on the twelfth hole, yes. they must have been cheaper than than I'd I'd pay. What? So I guess you know one of the things that we were talking talking about is was this just a product? Was this a the turnout right? Eighty five and a half thousand or whatever the number is that's being thrown around. Was that a product of live golf in and of itself, or was it? a product of someone filling the void in terms of whether that was the PGA tour. And this is, this is all hypothetical, right? We, we obviously don't know the answer. And then clearly, clearly live has a future in Australia. I don't think anyone can debate that. If we start to add a second event or a third event, you know, there were rumors here in Western Australia that Greg was touring Joondalup uh, earlier in the week. Don't know how true they were, but if we start adding a second or a third event, is that number, are we going to saturate too much, right? I think this is going to be the fine balance that Liv has to find because if you can attract 86,500 to two events, you're you're in the money. But as if you start adding three, four events, then we might just fight, get to a point where it's like, this is actually too much for, for us. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a combination of the two things as to the response this week. It's It's very clear that Australian fans – love a big show so that's non-golfers and golfers and live golf put on a show so they dragged in people who were like hey like i don't remember exactly what a day ticket cost you to get in there but i reckon guaranteed a day ticket to get into live on the friday was cheaper than any ticket you get to see fisher so you go in and you get that plus you get to go watch the golf hang out in the sun and drink some beers there was you know there was Girls doled up to the eyeballs coming in later in the day, but also walking around clearly that they'd gone along with friends or a partner or whatever because of that, that weren't, I heard a bunch talking, I spoke to some weren't golf people at all, but they were there. The price of the ticket brings them in and gets them in there. Um, So there's the show. There's the players though, I think is such a major thing. Um, You know, Brooks Kepka's never played in Australia, never been to Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, Phil Mickelson's played a couple of President's Cups here, but he'd never played an Australian Open or Australian PGA or anything like that. Uh, Dustin Johnson played one Aussie Open in 2011 at the Lakes and a couple of President's Cups. You know, these are the these are some of the people that anyone would want to go and play watch play golf. Mm-hmm. Um, so people haven't had the chance to do that. So that drags in a group of people. Combine that with your cams, even like. Lee Westwood's always been popular here. Pulse has always been popular. Stents and Bubba Watts and all these guys, you know, that combination of who's there brings people in as well. Um, and then there's the anti-Live sentiment too that lives really tied in well with, with the Australians that, hey, we've got an all-Australian team and they won't even bring an event down and we're going to bring an event, we're going to do this. So it's sort of a combination of things there. In terms of extra events, um, again, I wrote something during the week that, there's all these rumors and what seems to happen with live in my experience is if there's something spoken about that's positive, no one's going to do any effort to quell that rumor. And why would they, you know, they need all the good press they can get. So, um, you know, I think there's possibility there will be more events here before we went down there. I had heard from someone that the 2024 schedule was set, but I've spoken to someone that lives since, and it's not true. Um, but I've spoken to other people around South Australia and I would think that the South Australian government giving their undisclosed couple of million dollar amount of money to live golf, to have an event there with the purpose of domestic tourism from interstate 
wouldn't be too keen on letting any other state have another event next year. They've got a two-year contract with a couple-of-year option, as I understand it. So they're not going to let that happen easily unless they get a major discount on their spend or they get something else out of it. Um, there was rumours that Asian Tour was going to play some international series events here either side of this week. Didn't happen. People will tell you that the local tour here blocked it. Don't believe, I don't know that that's true or untrue. I've had conversations with Cho Min Tant from the uh, the agent to a CEO and local guys here. No one will confirm that or Cho didn't really pursue that at all with me. So I can't say that that's true. But I, what I do know is Liv was determined to make the 72 hours of Liv Golf Adelaide the biggest show in town and not diverge any attention with anything else. So that would make sense that they said, let's keep the Asian tour away. Um the other problem with having another event is where does it go? Mm. Um, Victoria, there is an issue there. It's clear with the PGA Tour involvement. Uh, Golf New South Wales, again, Adam Pengilly had the story this week. Golf New South Wales has put their hands up to say that they would be willing. Uh, they're also host of the Australian Open at the end of this year, so that would be a conversation. Queensland hosts the Aussie PGA. Um, WA is probably the one out, um, but... I, I can't imagine that you'd have two weeks like that back to back. A lot of that people were interstate tourists. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's South Australia's tourism model, right? I mean, they did it with gather round the week before a lot of people there were there to watch the footy from interstate because of the festival atmosphere. Um, so look, it, it, it would make total sense. Live there's people that live going, you know, absolutely. Let's come and play. Leash said yesterday, a lot of other guys, not just the Australians, are saying let's play, which is interesting because none of them used to get over here for <laughs> on a plane for less than yeah. a you know, big figure. But um, yeah, I'd say you wouldn't maintain the same numbers across two weeks. I think that would be a very big ask. And then, yeah, like I say, I think the South Australian government might be a sticking point. Um, and Live also, the people who are running Live are smart. And like they said to us this week, these three days are the biggest show because they want that. They don't want to have another event where people pick holes in crowd numbers or mm -hmm. anything like that. And if you think about this week, this has been the talk of the golf world everywhere and the numbers and everything. It's comparable to the biggest events on the PGA Tour bar a couple. If you then the following year, you have a second event and you take away some of the crowd and it looks less, it's easy to poke holes in. It's you know, yeah, you're just a one-hit wonder because you do it once. Sure. So there's a there's a lot of factors that would have to be very well pushed through before they got near a second event. I'd imagine. It's it, it is so fascinating because you, a lot of unsavvy people would have that knee-jerk reaction and go, "Okay, let's do two next year, right?" Um, and, and and pull the trigger on it. And and I think you're absolutely right. I, given the Adelaide as well, the other thing I think is it's ge it's geographically so central right so it's not yep. like this event was on in perth for example and the east coast was screaming out for it yeah and you could you probably could do one on each each side maybe you know you have a week off in between or whatever it is but it's so geographically interesting that new south uh, new south wales threw their hand up because wasn't there a there was a course that said no wasn't there in new south wales yeah, i believe so there's, there's i don't know whether that was confirmed or not there's a million stories about what didn't didn't happen with everything in the lead up to uh live did take a little tour around and have a look at some places in new south wales for sure <laughs> um whether or not it was what who made what decision about what i don't know um but yeah it, it's golf new south wales who've said that they're very intrigued by 
the the format and everything like that. But of course, again, South Australia's got this this contract for next year and an option. If they do the same thing again next year, he'll be Peter Malinowskis will be taking that that option. I mean, he 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 came and did a presser and I very impressed by the way he responded to some tough questions and everything like that. And I think talking to people in Adelaide and South Australia last week, you know, he can't do any wrong at the moment having facilitated gather round and got an extension on that and then done this. The guy looks like a genius if you like sport or if you yeah. run a hotel, pub, restaurant or hire car, Uber, <laughs> whatever business in South yeah. Australia. Well if you if they run uh, gather round the week before live golf, I'd know from having a few conversations with people that people go, Hey, we'll just fly out on the Friday, go to gather round for the weekend, take the five days off and we get you know, yep. essentially a 10 day holiday, which is, would be very, uh, painful. I reckon on both the liver and the old skyrocket, I reckon, <laughs> but, um, well, I mean, that's, that's the, the, the one thing I'd like to see almost live do is they've got these three day events. You don't have to finish them on a Sunday. Um, particularly with the Adelaide event, sure. It probably helped with crowds, but if you played it on the back of gather round or in the lead up to, and tried to get people, even more people there. Mm. Um, but, uh, it, it's kind of they try and keep to the Sunday finish, I suppose, now that that's the way they want to do it. But given the hours of the day it is in America when we played that event last week, the TV ratings will be interesting to see because um, if people would have had to get up real early, like yeah. earlier than we do to watch tournaments. And so, yeah, I'm not too sure that that would help being on a Sunday as opposed to being on a Monday or Tuesday, but you never know. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of interesting idea of, of this, what do they do next and how savvy are they? And look, I mean, you think this was a great success. It wouldn't probably be to the same level, but there's an all South African team as well. And South Africa has had the same thing of they've got their own tour, the sunshine tour that trucks along. They've got DP world tour events that happen down there, but they don't get even their biggest stars. I mean, Australia has done a much better job of getting our guys home, our guys and girls home. Um, than South Africa have consistently for their tournaments. Um, so I'm sure the South Africans and South Africa would be crying out for an event. Um, there's a bunch of places around the world you could say would probably mm. do a good job and take it and run with it. So they'll be looking at, I think, taking this model to other underserved markets. Uh, probably nobody is, no. I, to my knowledge, there's no country as passionate about golf that's been as underserved in terms of players as Australia at times. That's mm. not to say... The Australian Open didn't have a lot of crowds who we were all very excited about it too this year. Um, and it's now an interesting prospect for for the guys there about what they take away from this week. And I, I know they would have been watching um, what they take away, what they don't, and what they try and do. And things can be different and still good. So we'll see what how that plays out as well. What, what do you think their market is in terms of geographically right because you think about the big tours in the world obviously the pga tours market is the u.s formula one's market is europe there's you know there are obviously geographical areas that each major tour or brand is is aligned to so having spent three days on the ground and, and getting a better understanding of what i guess the the tour is all about yeah, has it become clearer on what their geographical market is? Oh, I think I think Liv's trying to crack into America. It's simple as that. I mean, they'll play events in other parts of the world because it'll get good feedback and good crowds like in Adelaide. Um, and it'll be popular in America too if you play it on good golf courses too. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Grange, mm -hmm. both the east and west are great, great golf courses. I think one's 
the West is 39th in the country and the, the East is about 44th or 45th. So, and that's the kind of golf they don't see in America very much. So they love that too. But yeah, I think without question, America is the target market. I mean, most of the staff for live golf are American. Yep. They play the majority of their events in America. It's the biggest market in the world. It's the biggest golf market in the world. It's sustained the PGA tour to be what it is and what it's become. And, uh, for so long that America is the most important thing for them. Um, so it's a fine balancing act of playing a lot of events there to get people there, but also playing events in other parts of the world that interest them and, and get that going. But yeah, without question, America is, you know, the discussion around it being a global tour. I think it's a global tour that appeals to an American audience, but also potentially appeals to international players. I sure. Mean, uh, I'm sure Cam and, and Leash and, Matty Jones and Jed are enjoying playing a bit outside America. But in saying that three of those guys do live most of the year in America as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's to a certain point as well. I think that it's going to be an interesting challenge for live over the next 12 months, particularly, but as it grows in popularity and as it grows in commercial value as well, not that, Commercial value kind of doesn't really seem to affect it because there's this en yeah. endless pit of money, right? But as it continues to grow, there is going to be the the desire to add more and more events. And and a lot of the rhetoric around players leaving was, I only have to play a handful of events essentially so I can spend more time with my family. I think it's going to be a real interesting uh, – I don't know. It's going to be a real interesting like way to just look at it when they do start, the schedule goes from 12 events to 16 to 20. And yep, how that then flips back to the players that went, well, I came here because I was playing 12 events. And it's like, well, you're kind of locked in. Like, I think yep. that's just going to be a fascinating way to, sh to, to look at things over the next 12 months anyway. And I don't, I don't know if the players have really thought of that. No, maybe they have, maybe they don't care. No, I don't, I don't I think. I think, I mean, they signed up to play eight events. That was last year and that was yep. what it was. And then now they're playing 14 and, um, look, like it's I think, doubled in one year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And there was discussions as well about how big could this thing be um, to a couple of guys in press conferences. And they said, it could be anything. And the same people saying, well, how many teams and all this sort of stuff. And then someone said, well, we can only have, you know, probably two more teams because it's a shotgun start. That's how it works. We can't get more on the golf course at one time. And that's a key element of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, same for events. We you know, Kepka, Johnson and, and Bryson were asked about what about more events? And they kind of went, no, we're playing enough. We're good. Like those bigger guys are playing those 14 and they're playing four majors. That's 18 events a year. That's a big, that's a full schedule for a top player. They're not going to play that, much more. I don't, I kind of feel like they don't get a say though. It's like you've signed, uh, you've kind of signed up for this. Yeah. And I it's think like, that's... if if we add another five events, you're going to fucking play those five events. Yeah. We're paying it's... you a lot of money. It's one of those things I think of, um, you'll never know um, mm -hmm. because you kind of get the impression that some guys have their say and, and is listened to some guys, maybe less so. Um, but there is that, yeah, you're doing this because we're paying you. That's, yeah, yeah. and that's, you know, that, like I mentioned the, that list of guys who hadn't been here to play in Australia before they hadn't been here to play in Australia and regards of money. I mean, they had no option this year. Yeah. So they had to come, um, yeah. you know, even to the point of, uh, Phil wasn't too keen on chatting this past week. Um, okay. we were told early in the week and myself and another guy 
went old school and hung out in the car park waiting for him after he finished and he was getting ready to leave, trying to be respectful, of course, and introduce ourselves and ask if he was keen to have a chat. And he said, oh, not today, I'm finished. And the next day we couldn't get him either. He was quickly out the door. And the next day his manager said that, you know, his wife, Amy, was there and that he was busy doing that and signing autographs. And <laughs> the next day we put a request in to live the day before and the next day he came in front of the media. Now, given the feedback was he's not too keen to talk much this week, he's got a lot on and everything like that. And, and look, it was an exhausting week for these guys and he'd come off an exhausting week at Augusta emotionally, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a certain, no, oh, well, you're going to talk because you played good golf and you paid to be here and yeah. you know, well, they couldn't get him here before to play any events. I'm not sure how hard they pushed. You know, he had a big asking price as an appearance fee for a long time, but um they all, I think once he was here and once Brooks was here and they saw what this event was and the reception was, they loved it and they'll come back. But I do wonder if, if tournament numbers expand, whether they get out clauses for certain events, um, sure. which, which wouldn't have been a bad thing here. I mean, if, if one player had said, can I have the week off because I just need it? And they subbed him out for Wade Ormsby who comes from Adelaide and was hanging out on the grounds all week and they've got on the books. That would have been awesome for them. Yeah. And they wouldn't have brought more people through, but it would have been just great to see for Wade. Yeah. You know, yeah. Wade's a great dude who's mm-hmm. grafted away an amazing career that, um, you know, he he deserves the chance to play in front of a home crowd in Adelaide, which he's not had a chance to do in an Australian Open or anything like that, I don't believe. So, um, yeah, I think there's there's options for them moving forward. But, of course, if you if you gave players a week out option, they could pick a week they're all going to pick the same places. It's going to be mm. a remote place that they don't want to go to sure. all this sort of stuff. So, you know, that's going to be a balance for the players that are there and for live. And, um, yeah, I think there's, there's not maybe a huge say, but these are professional golfers who are used to having their say and maybe having it mm. met. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a sort of internal battle, I suppose, but a lot of them are very invested in this, um, emotionally because they have to be because they've got mm. nowhere else to go now and yeah because they like the concept too genuinely like the concept um so look it it um numbers of events there'd be some guys who maybe want to play more some guys who don't i'd say the majority don't they, mm. of course you know they, they're getting their money and and they're playing and they're enjoying it and they want to play other events um and i think ideally for the for them, it would be all all of bigger names because they definitely don't want to play more. But a guy like Jed Morgan probably wants to play a little bit more, maybe not a little bit more of live golf, but a little bit more of everything else to get his game because he's still learning his craft. He's young. You know, mm-hmm. Siwan Kim probably could do with a few more reps based on what I saw last week. You know, there's guys that want to play more. Um, interestingly, with the players and given it's 48, I wonder if you keep coming back to the same places, like if they kept coming back to Adelaide for years and years and they never really changed the roster, how much that would affect things? Because mm. people want to see Phil once, but they'll see Phil again. Yeah, sure. But do they third year, does that drag people in? Does, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's got to be a rotation. There's got to be a rotation anyway. I mean, Phil's 52, Lee Westwood turned 50 today. Like there's guys wind down and slow down and, and they've got probably more money than they ever thought they could. So retirement <laughs> comes a lot earlier. I think also too, you know, the uh, it, it will be interesting if, if and when they do add more events. If players are given the option to rest, you know, Australia is probably 
a pretty easy out for a lot of those guys because it is a long way. How that kind of also affects the Australian market as well, or maybe Liv's done enough now and showcased, hey, this is what you're going to get every year. Because as you said, a lot of those people probably don't care about the players yeah. that are actually there, right? So I wonder, interestingly, uh, I, I think I'll put my hand up. And as I said throughout the whole episode, my position probably has softened a little on perhaps the product of itself. Like I still don't love the whole Saudi piece in it. And that's mm-hmm. just a completely me thing, but I still also love the PGA tour. And I think the two can coexist in, in, in and of themselves. I wonder if the position has perhaps softened broadly speaking within the Australian golf industry, you know, given that you were on the ground, was there a sense of that? I mean, it kind of felt like there was a little bit less of the PGA tour sucks we're better kind of motto from, you know, what we saw in the short amounts of media interviews that we were able to see, you got to see them in full. Was there, is that fair? Is that, is that kind of starting to subside a little bit? And it's just like, Hey, we're going to, we're just going to stay in our lane and we're going to do our own thing. And if they're going to exist over there, they can do their own thing. I think that's something they're trying to harness um, because I think they realize there needs to be some more, um, friendly nature maybe to things as things go on. Um, you know, uh, something was brought up about other players in early in the week and Bryson said, oh, I'm in a, I'm in a court case. I can't comment on that. Um, there was other mentions of court and everything like that, that were quickly, you know, dealt with without much. Um, it's a conscious effort, I think, to be careful. Uh, mm-hmm. Brooks was interesting when he spoke about the masters and about how players were getting along and everything like that. And he said, well, it's great. Cause everyone could see what we're actually like, you know, I practice at a place and I see guys every single day who play the PJ tour and we don't hate each other, mm. which, which ties into what Rory said at Augusta too, that there's guys he likes and there's guys he doesn't like, and that's fine. He keeps talking to them and you know, he'll, he'll happily talk to them. Um, so I think both sides are starting to say, let's be less personal, but there's obviously underlying feelings of being hurt and, Mm. and stuff i mean he apologized for it not long ago but richard bland maybe had a few too many vinos in the (laughs) cliques after party and had a crack at eddie pepperell on twitter Mm. and eddie pepperell to put it bluntly laid the hammer back in his response to him um it continued today i don't know if you've seen it yeah 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 Yeah. blandy apologized i did see blandy leave the the clubhouse fairly late um Mm. and i believe they went along and watched bert kreischer in the city so i think they might have gone up to the sky bar at adelaide casino and had a few (laughs) drinks as well but um look i there's that and there was it it's gone from all the footage and from the uh transcripts but we had a story today about it um there was some of those uh social media primarily based american groups that are very big live fans um one of them asked the four aces, the Yankees of golf. I've been told by some people who are very passionate about this stuff. Um, yes. Yeah, that's that. I can't hear. I can't call that. But um, <laughs> I asked them about, you know, what would Jay Monaghan think about watching Live Golf Adelaide? And it was directed at Dustin Johnson, who looked towards a Live staffer. And you could see he was running through his head of how best to softly answer that question. And Pat Perez jumped in with a very, very direct answer that was not what Live Golf would want out there. And it was right. subsequently very much not around very much. So, is that right? Uh, 
Yeah, I think they're, they're actively trying to say we need to not be in a slinging match. Yeah. Um, no one's going to win. I mean, I've I've done a few things column-wise in the magazine and Rod Murray's mentioned it and Rod and I talk about this all the time. We think if there's an ongoing battle, um, golf fans are the ones that lose. Because we're going to get, you're going to get split up fields. We're going to get all this sort of faux stuff around battles and this sort of stuff. The guys that really don't hate each other that much and, and all this, and it, it's going to end up, you know, sponsors are going to spend less money if fields aren't as good. And if golf's this really divisive topic. And so golf fans are going to be the ones that suffer. So there's probably a realization of that. Um, clearly, live by, judging by Adelaide, Liv are trying to put fans first in certain situations, and that's a good thing. And, and part of that is probably not having this ridiculous ongoing thing where people feel like on social media they can only watch one or the other. Yeah. That they can't enjoy both. Or, you know, I, like my job's to cover golf, so I cover golf. If there was a PGA Tour, this week, PGA Tour event this week in Australia – and there was live last week, I'd be at both. I wouldn't be mm. at one or the other. I'd, my job yeah, is to yeah. cover them and to cover them, you know, as fairly as possible with opinion pieces like what was written today is, is a slightly different thing, but you know, golf Australia magazine, we cover both. We'll tell you who won on both tours and we'll tell you who won in Europe and on the LPGA. And, um, that's not been the case for a lot of things. Um, which isn't good for people. Um, mm. I, I don't believe personally, as much as I have my own personal feelings about, live golf and about the PGA tour and all that stuff. But, um, it, it feels like there is a bit of a softening, but I'm sure there's an undercurrent of guys that live who are not happy about how things have shaken, shaken out and, you know, and probably have some blame on some people, but, um, there, it wasn't, I didn't talk to guys every all week who seemed like they wanted to tell people on the PGA tour side to go and get whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very much not that way. And that's the Aussies are maybe a microcosm, but Adam Scott said that to us a bunch. Min Willie said it to us a bunch. You know, guys are friends with the guys they're friends with. Mm. Um, Cam and Leash have been best friends on tour for a long time. So they're very happy together. Um, Min Willie, for example, has never really been close friends with Cam Smith. So when they go to a major, they don't necessarily play a practice round together because they never have. Mm, um, sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, that's just nature. Yeah. Know? I think uh, I think your point is absolutely bang on about who loses out in this continuous battle is mm. is absolutely the fan because there is particularly in Australia I think to your point like there is this like no you have to pick pick your side yeah. and it's like well no like I don't I don't have to like I can still watch European basketball and the NBA at the same time if I really want to right exactly like you I, can yeah you can watch the NRL you can watch the AFL you can watch whatever Correct. you want. And if you like a sport like golf and there's multiple versions, I don't see how you come across as the loser unless you feel like you need to pick one side. Correct. Um, yeah, the divisiveness and the nastiness around it is, I suppose it's the age, it's social media, it's everything like that. You know, I've, I've been accused of being on both people's payrolls. And I can tell you that <laughs> as I call you from my small little apartment, I'm definitely not on either payroll. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that sort of stuff that, you, you, there's just this real divide and for some reason people feel they have to be one or the other, both probably fed into that early. Um, they'll, they still will cause they've got a vested interest. They're a business. Yeah. I understand yeah, yeah. it, but, um, you know, that's back to the probably initial point of what we were talking about that ideally if it went through this process and, um, it started out 
as I think Live Golf intended it to be. And it didn't go down a band path. It went down a, this is an eight week exhibition. We want to play in the American fall. We're going to take events around the place, mostly in America, but overseas, we're going to play some team golf. Um, it's going to be players from the PJ tour. It's going to be players from everywhere and they're going to be paid well and they're going to own teams and they're going to do this, but it's not in rival to the PJ tour. It's in addition to, and it's an exhibition series, that dirty exhibition word that apparently you can't say. <laughs> I think that's, kind of where it would have been in this perfect situation. Sure. But yeah. there's obviously issues at play about, you know, the PJ tour protecting their brand also about the month source of the money and about all this mm -hmm. sort of stuff. But if that had worked out and it was for just the elite guys, they would have played less PJ tour events, which is why it would have hurt the PJ tour. But if there was this exhibition series that was separate, fans wouldn't have lost out as much, but that's where we ended up. And, it's only going to like, there's no sign of it going away because, no, no. yeah. Um, you know, the, to get out of a live contract is an extremely expensive thing from what I understand. And, um, you know, two of PJ tour players probably aren't too keen on having some guys back maybe straight away. And, mm. um, you know, I, I don't see any resolution, but I'm sure there's some people who are trying to foster that, but we'll be waiting till at least this time next year when that U S court case goes and, exactly what the damage of that is who left for you what did you think of the broadcast i don't know if you saw much if you were able uh, to to engage I'll, i mean it was it you i'll let you tell you your you uh you go with your opinion and then our people who have already listened to this episode will know what my opinion is of it uh i didn't see huge amounts of it it's on as i said in the media center but out on the golf course obviously don't see much um i've seen plenty of their broadcast before I've, i did see a bit of it um i think hyperbole is strong in the <laughs> live broadcast team. Um, yes. <laughs> I think, uh, some of it is a bit of, like the dubbing of the sound when a ball goes in a hole, like, come on, we're better than that. Yeah. Like the, don't need to do that. Um, yeah, I, it's funny one. I, I don't know what audience that's trying to appeal to. Um, and there's some really good broadcasters in there who don't seem to be doing their usual broadcasting self. Um, mm -hmm. Jerry Foltz was an amazing broadcaster for a long time. I really enjoyed the work he did with the LPGA particularly. He's in a completely different role from an on-course guy to a booth guy, and I don't know if it works. Dom Boulay, who used to cover the Asian tour, um, I've met Dom a few times, and I always enjoyed his coverage. It was quite, quite simple, but well-spoken and all this sort of stuff. I always enjoyed it. He's in a different role. He's on course. Um, David Ferrity is David Ferrity, but probably on a tighter leash. Maybe I think so. Absolutely. Um, Arlo White, it's like a big sales pitch and all this sort of stuff. And Sue Ann hangs out there doing her thing and Troy Mullins and whatever. But yeah, um, yeah I, look, I, I, like I said, I didn't see heaps of it last week, so I don't want to be too judgmental, but um, the bits and pieces I did see seem, probably again, like it's half pregnant. Like it doesn't know if it wants to be a golf broadcast or a, you know, party broadcast. Yeah. Um, I think that's the so. thing for me too, is like there were some of the graphics and stuff that they, they showed up, which were phenomenal. Like the, mm -hmm. yeah. the, the putting line and you know, where the wind yep. was coming from. There's there some really cool stuff that I haven't seen in PGA tour events before. So for that, I commend them. But I think to your very first point around hyperbole is absolutely bang on. And I said this to Marshy was that, the constant reference to, oh, the crowd is enormous. The crowd is enormous. Like, yeah, 
the re you telling me the crowd is enormous a hundred times makes me actually believe that the crowd is not that big. And that's yep. like, it was just a psychological thing. So I there think, was a, um, a few things that struck me odd like that. I think that's, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people in TV, particularly around golf. Um, and, you know, I played a lot of golf with you and Porter, Warren Smith mm. and these guys and guys in America too. And you kind of, from my understanding is your best golf commentator doesn't tell you what you're seeing because you can see it. Correct. And that ties into it. And, um, you know, they like, I agree. Some of the, the, the putting line stuff was cool. Some of the stats they came up with along the side were cool. They're still working out how to do that leaderboard with the yeah. two leaderboards and stuff like full credit to them. That is a nightmare. Like I couldn't imagine trying to deal with that. And they're very fluid with how they deal with it, that there's a change from one week to the next when clearly someone says something, um, their shot tracer though, like it, it was, you know, I don't want to pick on him, but it was as inaccurate as C1 Kim off the tee yeah. times. Like it was, uh, Taylor Gooch finally hit a really good tee shot on Sunday and it had it tracking as a snap hook out of no, like it was going nowhere. And he just hit it down the middle of the fairway. Like he just hit a perfect shot. So Bad. I don't know what technology they're using to do that, but at times it felt like there was someone in the TV truck drawing lines where they thought it was gone. <laughs> like it was, yeah. If you, if you can't do it well, don't do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. again, you've got a non-golf crowd probably watching that TV coverage. So you've got to do things and, and shot tracer to a non-golfer watching TV for the first time is a really cool thing in a way to actually watch golf because they don't understand what's going on mm. and um, it helps, I think. And so I get why they're trying to do it, but you know, that'll be better for it. I suppose they'll, they'll learn. I, I do hope that they listen to the feedback of, mm. um, because your opinion and my opinion aren't the only ones that, you know, say that, you know, I've seen yeah, plenty yeah. of that around. So last question, cause uh, you've been very generous with your time and we, we appreciate it as always. Where does this leave our tour, the Aussie tour golf Australia? I think they're kind of a forgotten stakeholder perhaps throughout the whole week. And, and I do genuinely feel sorry for them because I feel like they're caught between a rock and a hard place, right? They've got this wonderful allegiance to the PGA Tour and and the DP World Tour, which provides so many incredible opportunities. I mean, you just got to look at what Dave Michaluzzi and, and the Order of Merit guys have got for this mm -hmm. year. But also, they must have been really wanting to engage with Live Golf this week, purely from a crowd numbers perspective, to... It just makes total sense, right? When you've got a captured audience, you mm -hmm. want to be engaging with them. And and obviously they didn't put anything on social media and it was obviously pretty glaring. Like how, I mean, you're, you're closer to it than most. Like how, how, how was it received internally? I mean, if you can, if you can shed any light on that and where do you think it leave, leaves our tour a little bit? Um, look, I, I know they were paying attention. That's, that's for certain. Mm. Um, that's one thing I'm, I'm more than happy to say that they were definitely paying attention, which is a good thing. I mean, they didn't have their heads buried in the sand about mm. what was going on and what was good and bad and in, otherwise about it and, and why those things were as well. I'm sure, um, I'd be certain there was people in there who maybe I didn't see who were keeping an eye on things. And, <laughs> um, look, I, I feel for them a bit as well because they're going to cop all this criticism about look what happens when you do it this way and do all yeah. this that way and whatever. Well, I can tell you personally that 
Golf Australia and the PGA Tour of Australasia don't have an unlimited bank account where everyone has to buy oil from them. They don't, they don't, <laughs> they've got vocational PGA members, they've got tour members and they've got Australian golfers paying whatever their subs are to get their handicap. That's not, yeah. that's not the same. No, um, 100%. And sports, sports sponsorship is exceptionally difficult to do, um, to, a, to get, I should say. Um, and they're doing a better job of it, I think. And um, look, I think I also feel sorry for them as well in that the last Aussie summer was a really, really big building thing for me. Um, uh, my my views on some of the stuff about the Australian Open have been pretty clear and uh, the podcasts and stories have been out there about what I think about how that went, but they tried something. So mm-hmm. good on them. They, they tried something to do something and to make things better. Um, you mentioned the DP World Tour. They, they spoke to us a year and a bit ago about pathways is what we're about. You know, we're not uh, we're not competing with the PGA Tour. We're trying to send our players there because yeah. that's what our job is. And they've done that. And they've, you know, TPS events, uh, people might talk about live being innovative. The TPS events are genuine innovation in tournament golf. I agree. It's, and it's like, so they've done these good things and they're going to be held against this impossible um, measuring post that is live golf. Um, so look, I think they will have taken some things and, and worked it out. They've got a, they've got a, a big job ahead of them about what they do with our big tournaments, whether they turn them more party, more whatever, and away from tradition in terms of that being the focus. So I don't know that that's the, the answer. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of engaging, it would have been difficult. Sure. Um, because, yeah, they, they cop a pasting on social media sometimes about not covering things. And uh, I, I wouldn't want to be a part of those, you know, that, that, that sort of, uh, no, I'd not say I wouldn't want to be a part of it. That's not fair, but I, um, you know, that, that's, that's hard to deal with that. You've mm. got to face up to people saying, why aren't you shouting from the rooftops about what Cam Smith's doing this week when you always have, they've got their strategic alliance in place with the dp world tour and by extension the pga tour that is to benefit their players um, which i think is a admirable reason to do what they've done um yeah it's it's hard i mean you've got this captive audience of people looking at it and and everything like that but how many of those people are going to go to another golf tournament given they might not be there necessarily for the golf and all that sort of thing and um you know whether or not it'd be good to have association with the Asian tour. Yeah. That's, it's worth talking about, but it's not reality at this point. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the the big thing is, you know, hopefully, and I, I know they would have paid attention, but hopefully they've, they've learned some things that hopefully can help their events, but that they're in like everyone, they're in this situation. That's not actually by their, by their own actions. Um, and, and, you know, I think people talked about, you know, Australian Open should be a live event. Well, live events have a formula that the Australian Open doesn't fit in. And yeah, exactly. I would not be necessarily happy that the Australian Open, a tournament I've been watching since I was a kid, and one of the reasons I got so into golf was I wanted to play in Australian Opens. If it was 48 players and only four of them were Australian, mm, I don't think correct. that that's not what we want for that tournament. So the realistic actual... um outcome of what couldn't couldn't happen i think is very different to what gets sprouted around there so yeah they're in a tough situation but they've got some good people there and they're working very hard at it so 
you know, we'll see what, what they come up with and, and how they move forward. And, um, you know, these, uh, they, they say in their strategy, all golf is golf, live golf is golf. And mm. it's got a lot of positive press. So hopefully that means lots of positive press for all golf. It's been a huge week. It's been a massive sure week, mate. I think, um, I mean, you were on the ground and, and living and breathing and pardon the pun, but, uh, it was, yeah, it's been a massive week. I, I'm exhausted just watching it on TV and, and then jumping on social media and, you know, we we dealt with a few messages of oh, I thought you guys were against live and yep. aren't you just PGA fans and blah 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 and it's like well people can change, the attitudes can change, things can soften, yep. we can appreciate both. So I imagine you've dealt with your fair share of that over the, the week and, and will continue to do so. But uh really appreciate your time, mate. Appreciate your insights as always, um, and appreciate your work. Jump online and, and read some of Jimmy's stuff because it's uh, some of the best stuff in the business. So thanks for jumping on, mate. Um, appreciate it and we'll, uh, we'll chat again soon. My pleasure, mate. Anytime. <laughs>